Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. For more in-depth perspectives and interesting stories, sign up for our daily newsletter at tvo.org slash daily. Few things inspire learning the way natural wonder does. Awe, enthusiasm, and terrific insight help too. Latif Nasser, dare I say it, Mississauga's own Latif Nasser, (laughs) brings all of that to his new science docuseries on Netflix. It's called Connected, and it shows how connected we are in ways you'd never expect. Latif is director of research for the New York public radio show Radio Lab, and he joins us now from Los Angeles, California, for more. Hello there, my fellow Canadian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Not at all. It's a pleasure. I just want to, uh, before we get too far into this conversation, show folks uh, a little bit of what you've been up to, because it is absolutely spectacular. So stand by, and Sheldon, roll it, please. My name is Latif Nasser. I'm a science reporter. Oh, wow. And this is a show about the astonishing connections all around us. Connections between you, me, our world, that'll make you see that world in a whole new way. Very important question. Does the Queen's poop come through here? It has a flag on it, so we salute. (laughs) (laughs) How is the cloud above your head connected to the cloud that stores your data? How can an obscure mathematical law help make sense of your favorite song? Benford's Law. Benford's Law. Could you Benford Beyonce? If anything does work, then it probably is Beyonce. (laughs) And uh, uh, let's go to Twitter now, where you introduced your program by saying, my Netflix show just went live. If I had to sum it up, it's basically if Bill Nye and Anthony Bourdain had an awkward Muslim baby. But it's more than that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, that's very funny, but uh, for the uninitiated, would you care to elaborate on that tweet? Sure, sure. It's a it's basically a science show where I go all over the world looking for the surprising, often beautiful and poetic connections between us and each other and us and the world around us. Well, I should follow up on something that you said there in that trailer, which is essentially the obscure mathematical Benford's Law and Beyonce, the connection there. I I, I must confess, I didn't get it yet, but so maybe you could help me out. (laughs) Well, let me first explain what Benford's Law is. Good idea. Make it easier. Um, So Benford's Law is this kind of astonishing natural pattern that you can find in in almost every giant data set of numbers. So just take take any... uh, seemingly random batch of numbers like stock market prices or, uh, you know, I don't know, your tax returns or something. Um, If you take all of those numbers uh, and then you strip just the first digit, you're only looking at the first number of those numbers, the first digit. um, Now, you'd think that every number out of one through nine, they would appear one ninth of the time, right? It's a random data set, effectively. but what you find is actually it's, that's not the case at all. Uh, out of that random batch of numbers, about 30% of them will start with a one. And and then it'll get less and less and less frequent. So two is less frequent, three is less frequent, four less frequent, until you get to nine, which is only about, it's less than 5% of the time, which is just so strange uh, that random numbers would follow this 
this it, it makes a really pretty curve. Um, and you and so so alone that feels like okay maybe that's just a, a kind of a weird factoid, uh, a surprising factoid. Um, but then to me the astonishing thing was you could see all these different realms of our world where this applies and is actually quite helpful. Um, it's helpful to catch tax cheats. It's helpful to um, find. Uh, uh, Twitter bots. It's helpful to sniff out election malfeasance. Um, and, and the way that it connects to Beyonce is uh, uh, we found a paper where um, a, uh, a, a, a scientist applied it to the durations of notes. Um, so if you take a, a, a song or a, a, a discography of, of a certain artist, like I think they used, they used something like uh, uh, Beethoven and they used more classical music. But um, uh, if you add the durations of the individual notes, it follows this same pattern. It's this pattern that sort of is in all of these places where nobody expected it to be and where nobody was was sort of purposefully putting it. Thus the connection. Let me ask you another one of these seemingly random points, but you bring it up in your series as well. Dust from the Sahara Desert fertilizes Amazon rainforests in South America. How does that happen? So it's it's just it's in, an incredible thing. Um, basically, there's this one spot in the Sahara Desert, which used to be it's a kind of a dried up lake bed uh, from, uh, you know, a thousand years ago. And basically, it, it's it, it, there are kind of mountains nearby placed in such a way that, that it creates this wind tunnel effect and it kicks up all this dust way high into the atmosphere, um, which then exactly as you can see there it carries it fully over the atlantic ocean um some of it winds up on the gulf coast of, of north america some of it actually crosses uh mexico or central america into the pacific ocean and some of it lands um over uh it kind of sprinkles itself down over the amazon rainforest and and provides kind of replenishment of much needed uh nutrients that the uh kind of the amazon rainforest needs to to kind of keep going amazing how challenging is it for you because you are dealing in you know sometimes very complicated scientific theories and so on how difficult is it to sort of break that down for an audience that that may not know anything about science. You know, you've opened the door to it for us because of your enthusiasm and so on. But how hard is that to do? Well, it's it's it is tricky. I mean, you need to in a way, I, th I think it's almost the, the harder thing is to make it make sense to myself. Once it makes sense to me, it's much easier for me to explain it to everybody else. Um, um, so part of it is is figuring out how how to make it make sense to me. But then also the, another part of it is sort of I've found in my career uh Leading with the question is so much more powerful, so much more helpful than kind of trying to just explain it as an answer, as, as just to say, here's a factoid that you, you know, um, yeah, that that I'm just going to present to you sort of fully formed. If instead you ask it as a question, this dust is being kicked up. Where is it going? Let's follow it. And how do we know where it's going? So, so once you start to see, you know, oh, well, scientists have seen it over here and scientists have seen it over here, but how could it go from there to there? All of a sudden, um, I think people have a higher threshold of complexity than most TV gives them credit for. I think your show is a testament to that. Um, but, uh, but, but also if you lead with the question, people, people will follow you to, 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 even if they're a little, a few, 
kind of complicated speed bumps along the way, people will follow you to get to that answer. Hmm. You've obviously been all over the world and seen some pretty amazing things, but I, I, I really need to know what the craziest thing that's happened to you was in the course of making this show. Well, one of the, speaking of the, the dust, uh, one of the things we did was, was in order to kind of see how that dust actually falls down over the Amazon rainforest, we went to this place called the Amazon Tall Tower Observatory, which is basically like a giant skyscraper uh, in the middle of the Amazon rainforest where there are no other buildings. It's basically the size of uh, the Eiffel Tower. And and the day I went there, of course, uh, the elevator was broken, so we had to take the stairs. Um, and so we went with the stairs all the way up. We had this expert with us, a meteorologist. We finally get up to the top. I mean, and this is, it took maybe an hour and a half to just climb the stairs. They, you know, all the camera ops had the gear and, you know, so like we were all drenched in sweat. We just get to the top. I start to do my interview with the expert at the top, and it couldn't have been a minute, uh, maybe two minutes. He looked out. He's a meteorologist, and he said, oh, that's a that's a storm cloud. Like, th <laughs> there's, there's a thunderstorm coming. We're basically on an enormous lightning rod. Um, we, if we stay here in 10 or so minutes, we're going to be electrocuted. We got to go. Um, and so we we basically we, we did maybe a, like a minute and a half or so uh, of the rest of the interview. And then we just beelined down, kind of jumping down these stairs. It took us probably about an hour and a half, as I said, to get up there. It probably took us about 10 minutes to get down. <laughs> and, and did, in fact, the storm come and did, in fact, the, the tower get hit? It actually, too, uh, uh, as a testament to how complicated meteorology is, even even this prediction, this 10 minutes out prediction from the height of the clouds, the cloud passed by the tower and uh, we were we would have been fine. Wow. <laughs> I want to take you back. You grew up, as we pointed out off the top, in the province of Ontario. And, and at what point did it sort of, was there a eureka moment where you decided, I need to be a science journalist? There wasn't a, 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 a necessarily there wasn't a eureka moment about science, but there was there was kind of a I feel like I was I was primed to become a reporter. I have one sister. She's also a, a journalist. And and both of us, the thing we credit to um, our kind of love of asking questions of, of kind of keeping up with the world around us uh, is that our dad would do this kind of amazing thing, which is that every morning our, our dad is a very, very early riser. He would wake up really early and go to the mosque every morning and try to drag us along. But we were kids who like, you know, didn't couldn't be bothered to wake up that early. Um, but the thing he would do is after the mosque, he would read the entire Toronto Star um, and he would we'd still be sleeping. This is my memory of being woken up like every morning of my childhood. He would burst into my room like almost like Kramer style from Seinfeld. And he would just he would tell us the stories of the day. He would just like start. He would just go and he would tell us. And it, like it didn't matter that I didn't understand half of what he was talking about. I mean, um, uh, I, I would I would pick up on the fly and, you know, I'd be like the only middle school kid who could tell you all about the Briex gold mining scandal or something. You know, um, uh, it, it was an amazing thing. It was a kind of a. a uh, uh, the kind of education that I think most kids don't get and the kind of education that inspired us to say, hey, there's exciting stuff going on out there. I want to know all about it. Latif, I love the way that you say, you know, I have one sister who happens to be a journalist as well, because uh, let me just think here. Yeah. Two years ago, uh, you may recognize this person. Uh, well, the one on the left is me and the one on the right uh, co-hosted the Ontario election leaders debate with me. And um, I'm pretty sure you know her, don't you? 
<laughs> That's my sister. Uh, Farah Nasser from Global News. Okay, so I want to know how much smack you two talk to each other about who the better journalist is. Oh, well, the, the funny thing is that, uh, I mean, we, she, I feel like I, until now I had seeded TV to her and I was the radio guy and she was the TV uh, person. Um, and now I'm kind of encroaching on her, on her zone, uh, but she's taking to it very nicely. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think we're, we're a little bit territorial, I think a little bit competitive, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe she's going to expand into radio. Then I don't know what's going to happen. Well, in terms of territorial, what you give her Canada and you insist on the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. Is that how it works? That's, that's maybe it too, but she's, uh, there's, there's more than enough in uh, in Ontario to keep her busy. No kidding. No kidding. Well, I have to say it was a great experience co-hosting that debate with her. She was absolutely terrific. Um, okay, let's move on here. You've got a Ph.D. in the history of science from Harvard. Do I have that right? That is correct. Okay. How has that helped shape the reporting that you do? Because this just in, I bet you there are not too many reporters that have got a Ph.D. from in anything from anywhere. So that makes you a little bit distinctive. Yeah, I think to me, the the fun about this particular field, which a lot of people don't even know exists, the history of science, uh, it's taking the big, ambitious kind of almost existential questions often of science uh, and, and life and death stakes pressing questions of science um, and finding a way to historicize them to kind of turn them into stories, stories about people, people who are trying to answer those questions, people who are sort of, you know, uh, trying their best, who are who are coming up with experiments, who are, who are, who are uh, yeah, trying, you know, let's say public health measures or whatever it else. Um, it, it's a way to, to take science, which can often be cold and feel lifeless and, 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 and very sterile uh, and, and, finding the human beating heart behind it. And so so I feel like that's the thing I studied. And now that's very much the thing that I do. I try to tell those stories in such a way that it feels they feel human. They don't feel like they are, um, you know, just uh, just some sterile paper, some stack of facts that, you know, you couldn't care less about because they're because so often they're not. Well, you may have answered the question, but let me follow up anyway here. What what would you say is the single most important thing that you, as a science journalist, need to remember as you're trying to convey facts to what is certainly not going to be, uh, you know, a science-based audience. What do you need to remember? I think there's a it's it's a tightrope you have to walk where you can't be too breathless and just you know, swallow everything and not ask any critical questions and just say, oh, science knows everything, you know, uh, because it doesn't. You need you need a healthy skepticism that's baked into the very fundamental premise of science. At the same time, you can't just shrug your shoulders and say, oh, you know, uh, uh, nothing, nothing matters. There's nothing is knowable. We, uh, you know, uh, all these scientists are are shills and, and are, 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 you know, uh, corrupted by this or that or the other thing or, or, or this thing is just unknowable because because it, it's not, you know, we, we really do know things. It really does. It really will save lives to wear masks. But but how do you kind of keep that healthy skepticism while also kind of say, you know what, this is the best we have to go on. This is what we we all need to do. Uh, walking that tightrope is uh, is a tricky thing. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think what I try to do is sort of present both these cases to, to the viewers and let them with their hopefully good judgment, um, you know, uh, parse and decide hmm. for themselves. Lots of who was detainee 244 at Guantanamo Bay Prison. 
yeah, this, uh, this, I was shocked to find that there was a detainee at Guantanamo Bay. Uh, and, and I found kind of totally serendipitously, I mean, I guess if, uh, if that's the right word, uh, on Twitter, that there was a guy at, at Guantanamo Bay with my exact name. Um, I'm Latif Nasser. His name is Abdul Latif Nasser, which was a name I, I also went by when I was in, uh, when I did a foreign exchange in Morocco, which is where he was from. Anyway, I, I found this guy who I, I, I just all of a sudden needed to know so much more about him. There was almost no reporting about him. Uh, and I, I I started digging. I found this kind of uh, a WikiLeaked rap sheet from the Department of Defense, from the U.S. Department of Defense, about what he did, saying basically that he was uh, uh, al-Qaeda's top explosives expert, a, a uh, very important military aide to Osama bin Laden. Um and then I, f I found his lawyer. I, I talked to his lawyer who told me, no, 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 he was never in Al-Qaeda, uh, didn't know bin Laden, uh, wrong place, wrong time. Uh, yeah, had 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 nothing to do with any of that. And the United States government in Guantanamo Bay has kept him uh, a prisoner for almost now going on 20 years without trial, without charges. And in fact, on the opposite side, having unanimously cleared him for release back to Morocco, but he's just sort of sitting there um, without ever having any kind of due process, uh, you know, 20 years later. Um, and, and so I found out about this guy, these two kind of as polar opposite as you could possibly get portraits of him. And I needed to, I needed to find out more. And so that was sort of the, the jumping off point for a, a six part miniseries I did for, uh, for near public radio. That was a podcast series. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And called the other Latif. The other Latif. And and are you satisfied that in your own mind you actually got to the bottom of his story? I I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I wasn't because he's at Guantanamo, which is this sort of black hole. The, the way I talked about him is is like is this man was kind of a black hole in a black hole. I, I wasn't able to access him to talk to him to interview him. Um, and so many of the other sources that I had, whether they be uh, former Guantanamo detainees who had been tortured about their stories, whether it had been uh, you know uh, a, a, a former like intelligence agents, spy type folks, or government. Uh, 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 you know, bureaucrats in the United States who are, were very uh, uh, loath to talk about this, you know, blight on, on, on um, you know, uh, American foreign policy. Uh, nobody would talk to me. So we were basically I was like I was dealing with crumbs, you know, like like uh, evidentiary scraps uh, uh, and kind of uh, trying to knit them together as best I could. I'm sure I got things wrong because it's just there's so little evidence to go on. Mm. Um but uh, but I, I, I think and hope one day more of this evidence will come out. If not, Abdul Latif Nasser himself uh, will be released and I can get more of that story uh, and and correct maybe what what, you know, uh, the extrapolations I sort of necessarily needed to, to make to do a story about this guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I presume you'd love to meet him someday and just uh, have a chat with him. Yeah, yeah, and and ask him sort of uh, ask him all the questions. I, I sort of I, I worked for three years on this series, um, and and I had so many questions. Why did he make this turn? Why did he make that turn? So much of the evidence against him was uh, seemed to have been sort of made up or grossly exaggerated. Uh, um, while on the other hand, there were some that I found quite 
solid basis for. Um, and I, and I kind of, I mean, I joked that the closest thing he ever had to a trial was, was right here in my, in my garage studio. Cause he, he never got one any other place. Uh, I'd love to like sit down and talk with him and ask him what, what actually happened? What's your life story? How did you wind up at Guantanamo? Hmm. I want to ask you about curiosity over authority. And to that end, uh, you said something once upon a time, which was you'd much rather be the so-called dumbest guy in the room than the smartest guy, because that's more intellectually honest. What do you mean by that? Well, I think I, I mean, I do the same thing as you do, which is that we ask questions for a living and we do that on purpose because we don't think we have all the answers. Um, there are people out there who devote their lives to trying to understand uh, some of the biggest mysteries of our world, of our societies uh, that that often they're and they're not just sort of these academic abstract mysteries. They're these mysteries that, that really have, um, you know, major stakes in some cases, like as, as we can see with covid life and death stakes um to me i like it i don't want to be the guy who comes in and, and pretends to know everything or, or even something um because i think that uh on the one hand as a as a proxy for the viewer i think it's 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 you know it's a uh, i'm a, i'm just a i'm just a i'm just the you know the ambassador for for the the person who's sort of ha half-heartedly watching while they're cooking their dinner or whatever um so so i have to be that person but on the other hand i, I think it's it's just genuinely true. I mean, so, uh, so often in my studies, in my reporting, uh, things I thought I knew so deeply and that were so rock solid turned out not to be. Um, and, and so for me, I think that the the best place to approach uh, this job of conveying, uh, you know, important information of, of asking people really big questions is to come in kind of and, and check your assumptions at the door and to and to genuinely ask the question, not just not just pretend to ask the question so that I look smart, um, but but to actually genuinely ask the question, which is. Uh, something that I actually value uh, your work as well. I was I was I was just going to say th that's what I try to do every day of my life. And uh, so I'm with you on that one. Or as the kids say today, I feel you on that one. Lots of <laughs> uh, we're down to our last minute here. And I want to just ask you finally about the irony of the title of your series, which is Connected which is, of course, something that the world is really not supposed to be doing right now. We're supposed to be physically distanced from one another uh, in order to beat this pandemic. Um, yeah. How do we how do we stay connected while at the same time fight this damn pandemic? Well, one kind of irony, uh, I think, from the show is that that even if you don't think you are connected, even if we are sort of staying in our homes, even if we are, you know, uh, uh, sort of sealed off in our in our respective countries, um, the air we breathe the um you know the 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 selfies we post the poop we poop uh <laughs> these things they actually connect us in deep ways that we kind of i think so often take for granted i mean it, I, there is definitely something to be said for you know call up your your relatives who you haven't talked to in a while check on in on people because you don't know what they're going through but but even beyond that um we are all connected in these deep deep ways that we just barely have an inkling about. Well, I have to say, it's a delight to meet the other journalist in the Nasser family, <laughs> having already met the, the first journalist in the family. Uh, but you gave yourself the title of ambassador, and I kind of like that. So let me thank Ambassador Latif Nasser for coming on to TVO tonight. And we are happy to recommend Connected on Netflix for everybody. Season two in the works, incidentally. 
Uh, if they let me, I mean, I got a lot of I got a lot of ideas, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Netflix, they, uh, they, you know, they they got lots of money, buddy. Go after them. Yeah. They got lots of money. You go get them. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a real pleasure to meet you. Lots of luck going forward. The Agenda with Steve Pakin is brought to you by the Chartered Professional Accountants of Ontario. CPA Ontario is a regulator, an educator, a thought leader, and an advocate. We protect the public. We advance our profession. We guide our CPAs. We are CPA Ontario. And by viewers like you. Thank you.